Well, good morning again, and welcome now, not only to those of you who are here in our traditional sanctuary, but welcome also especially right now to those of you who are joining us in our contemporary worship service and online and via broadcast. I'm really glad that you guys are here. I'm glad that we had this opportunity to be here and learn from God's Word and grow in Christ together. Today's message is the second message in a four-part series called Heart of the Father. It's the second in a four-week series, but this whole series is actually kind of the culmination. It's the climax of about a year-long process that we've been walking together in as a church family, and we've called it Vision 2020. During this time, we've been asking, talking, praying together, what is God's vision for our future as a church family? What is God's picture of our preferred future together? And we've been reading the Bible together and praying together. We've been in some small group discussions together. Our leadership teams have worked together. We've done this in worship in previous months. And one of the things that I think is most important that has come out of this time together is the realization, or I maybe would like to say the reminder, that what's most important here is not only to gain clarity on what it is as a church that we think we ought to do next or to form some sort of five-year plan or 10-year plan. Those things matter a lot. We're working on that. We will do that together. But more than that, more important than that, is the question of who is God creating us to be? What kind of community has God created us? What kind of family has God created us to be? And who are we becoming together as a community in Jesus Christ? And as we began this series together last week, we grounded ourselves in a story from Jesus' life and in some stories that he told. We grounded ourselves in a story that actually happened a number of times in Jesus' life when he got himself in trouble for eating with what good religious people or religious leaders in his day thought were the wrong kinds of people. And they challenged him on this and wanted to know why he would do that. Jesus, why do you value what you value? Why are you committed to act in the frustrating way that you are apparently committed to act? And Jesus told some stories to illustrate why he was so committed to share the grace and the hope of God with people who felt themselves to be and others felt themselves to be far from God. He told stories that revealed the heart of the Father, the heart of the Father that is grieved when his children, when his people are far from him. And he goes, he doesn't even just wait for them to come back, but the heart of the Father is a seeking, searching, treasuring, loving, gracious, hope-giving, life-giving heart that goes and seeks for whom is lost. Jesus told these stories, and he said, and Jesus came not only to tell stories like this, but to embody the heart of the Father, to show us what the character of God is like. And in those stories, he wanted us to see the gracious, seeking heart of the Father, but he also invited and challenged the people in his own day and age as he continues to invite and challenge us now to share that same heart. Jesus came to show us the heart of the Father for us, his gracious, seeking heart, the heart of the Father that rejoices when he finds us and brings us home again. He wants to show us the heart of the Father, and he wants us to share the heart of the Father. We started there last week, and we said, you know, whatever we do from here, whatever we grow to be, whatever we grow to do, it starts here. The values we value, the programs we program, the activities we activate, whatever we do, it starts here in the heart of the Father that runs after his lost children, whether they are lost far away or lost near to home, which also happens sometimes too. We start here in the heart of the Father because we are disciples of Jesus. We are followers, apprentices, students of Jesus who learn to know God in the Jesus way. Now this week is the opportunity for us to get a little bit more specific, to talk about the values that we share as a church family, not only in this general way, but if if we share, if this is our heart, we share the heart of the Father, today I'd like to begin talking to you about our fingerprint, 
Something that's sort of unique to us as First Lutheran Church, as God has created us to be followers of Jesus, to be a family together. I want to share with you what I believe are five core values that have arisen out of this Vision 2020 process that we've shared together, out of the conversations we've had, the worship times we've shared, the Bible study we've shared together, out of prayer together, and not only out of these last 9 to 12 months, but I think really out of years of life that this church community has shared together. And the values that I want to talk to you about today, I would say, are kind of on a spectrum. They are, on the one hand, actual values that we own. I mean, you can tell something about what somebody values by watching how they behave, right? Well, they apparently have a value on that because they invest in that, they spend time on that, they care about that. I want to talk to you about values that you can observe in the practice of our church family. So they're actual values. They are also on a spectrum of being aspirational values. They're values we aspire to, values they describe who we are, but also who we want to be, who we are committed to becoming. So I want to share these values with you today. There are five of them. I'm going to start with two today, and we'll do two more next week and one more the week after that. The first one I want to share with you today is actually articulated on the banner over here to my right. It says over here, Jesus makes us family. Jesus makes us family. I think First Lutheran, at its best, and we are functioning the way that God created us to live and be and function together, we are functioning like a family, like the kind of family that God created families to be in the first place. You know, as a pastor here, oftentimes, not all the time for sure, but oftentimes I get to meet people who are just new to the First Lutheran family, who are just maybe here for the first time or here for a few times, and a lot of times I'll get to hear like some first impressions of what it's like to come into First Lutheran, to our building, to a worship gathering maybe for the first time. And I love when people say, they'll, they'll say, man, I just love the music here. It just really moves me. I think it's beautiful. And I love hearing that because I think music's an important way that we pray and we connect with God and worship together. And our musicians work hard to lead us in worship. I love hearing that. I love when people say that they appreciate and they're impacted by the teaching here, by the sermons here. I mean, I'm really grateful for that. Our, our pastors work hard and we think it's really important to try to teach the good news of Jesus to the best of our ability. So I'm glad when I hear that. But my favorite thing to hear is when I meet somebody who's been here just for a short time and they tell me maybe why they came back or what their impression was. They said, gosh, when I came here, I just felt like I'd found a home. Like people welcomed me and they made me feel like I belong here. I mean, you can't underestimate or overstate how important that is to feel like you belong somewhere. I mean, from the time that we're like kids in junior high, I wonder if we belong in this group or that. When people say that they felt like, people made them feel like they belong here. I love that because that is an experience of the gospel of Jesus Christ in action. It's an experience of the gracious, welcoming gospel of Jesus Christ that says to any of us, no matter where you come from, no matter where you've been or what you've done, you can be welcome here because of the grace of God in Jesus Christ to find hope and life in him. I love when that happens. We learn this value from Jesus himself. In the readings that we read in both of our worship venues today, we had that reading from Jesus' life where he's teaching and, and ministering in a house somewhere with a big crowd around. His mother and his brothers come to him. I actually think in this scene they're a little bit worried that he's kind of going overboard, but they come to talk to him, and they can't get to him because the crowd is too thick. So a message is passed to Jesus on the inside. Your mother and your brothers are here. And Jesus sees a teachable moment right then. And so he looks around, and he asks a kind of a rhetorical question. Wait, who are my mother and my brothers? It's not because he doesn't know. He knows, but he's teaching. Who are my mother and my brothers? 
And then he says, everyone who does the will of God, everyone who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, they are my sister and my brother and my mother. Right? Jesus made them family. Jesus makes us family. This is a huge gift to us. Jesus makes us family. That's a gift to us. Whether we come from a healthy, whole family system ourselves, if so, then it's a widening of our family. Jesus didn't mean to disrespect his mother and his brothers. He doesn't mean to disrespect the families, our biological families. It's a widening and a deepening of our family and our community. We're created for this. It's a gift to us if we come from family systems that are hurting. Jesus widens, deepens, and gives us the gift of being family with him. You know, we read last week, I said how Jesus had this infamous practice of eating with sinners, as they liked to say. And the reason the religious leaders of his day were upset about that is not because they were afraid Jesus was going to run out of groceries or something. It wasn't the food that was the problem. It was the symbolism. It was the symbolism that he was welcoming people into his family. And as a prophet, as a man of God, he was welcoming people into the family of God that they didn't think belonged there. But he was committed to this. And when Jesus was nearing the very end of his life, he was gathered together with his closest disciples and he celebrated a meal with them. When he wanted to make sure that they were rooted in relationship with him and in his teachings. Have you ever thought about this? Do you think it's interesting? I'm fascinated that Jesus, probably one of the greatest teachers, probably the greatest teacher who ever lived, as far as we know, never wrote down any of his wisdom never put together a book to collect his teachings and pass them down. His followers later did, but Jesus himself didn't. Jesus, instead of a book, left behind a family. He left behind people that he had gathered around a table together, shared a meal with them, and told them, I'm leaving behind, I'm leaving you behind. I made a family, and the world from now on will know me. They will know what love is by the character of your family life together. That's staggering. That's humbling. It's frightening. And yet it's exactly what Jesus did. He made them family. When Jesus, at the very end of his life, in his dying moments, Jesus was on the cross, like in agony, on the cross, and he was still at it. He looked down from the cross, and his mother was still there, right? His mother Mary was there to the end. He looked at his mother Mary, and one of his disciples was there. Most people believe it was probably the disciple John. Jesus said to Mary, indicating John over here, woman, behold your son, right? Like, not me up here. You're already looking at me. Behold your son right there. And he said to the disciple, behold your mother. Even there in that moment, Jesus made them family. This is a value that we own together as a church and a value that we've practiced here for a long, long time. I want to repeat for you a story some of you actually heard recently. It's a story that Pastor Angie shared in a funeral service we had about a week ago at the funeral of Sherm Noreen. Sherm was a faithful follower of Jesus Christ and a longtime member of this congregation, a member of this congregation longer than many of us, myself included, have been alive. And many, many years ago, Sherm was very sick. He was stuck in his house, couldn't get out of bed, couldn't get out to do the things he needed to do. And one thing that Sherm felt he really needed to do in that season at that moment was in their new house, he needed to get out and seed his lawn. It was highly important to him at that moment. He had to do that for his family and for his household and for his home, but he just couldn't, and it was killing him. And so a guy named Carl Carlson, isn't that the greatest old Scandinavian name ever? Carl Carlson, who, by the way, is the father of Phyllis Navis, still a member of this congregation and has been for 85 years a member of our family here. Carl got together some guys from the church, and they got some seed, and they went over, and they knew it was important to him. So they went over, and they seeded Sherm's lawn. 
Why did they do that? Were they bored? Did they have extra seed they were afraid was going to go bad? Did they not have chores of their own to do? Did they not have families, homes, households to take care of? Of course they did. Why? Jesus made them family. Many of you continue to experience this now. Some of you, I also, we experience this in our community groups, for example. You get together and maybe in some cases you might share a meal together. You share your hearts, you open up and pray together. You read the Bible together. You might spend playtime together. If there are kids in your group, maybe you attend your kids' sporting events together. I know some of your groups sometimes will share material resources together when someone needs something and someone has something. Why do we do that? Because Jesus makes us family. But rather than having me continue to tell you other people's stories, we recorded a couple of testimonies of members of our church family who can share their experience with you also. So we've got those testimonies, and let's just roll that video right now. A couple years ago, I felt I was being tested with my faith. My husband had lost his job. I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer, and I ended up needing surgery. My son had broken his neck in a hockey accident. My daughter was very angry with God and wanted to know why. Why is all this happening? I guess I wanted to know the same thing. Sometimes when we're struggling, it's the strength of others that holds us up. And our church family really held the whole family up. Their prayers and support meant so much during that time. My daughter had found strength in her confirmation group, her peers at church and she was deeply impacted by being part of one of our mission teams in Haiti. When people ask my son now why he has dents in his head from the ones from the halo, he tells everybody it's a miracle of God working things for good. After these experiences, I started to volunteer to help other kids as a confirmation guide. And now I'm learning so much from them as Jesus makes us a family. The dedication of these young ladies in my group is extremely breathtaking. My family has faced its challenges and its joys, and we are blessed to be part of a larger family that's sharing the joys and challenges together. It was just about eight years ago when I first walked through the doors of First Lutheran and sensed the Holy Spirit's presence. Within a few months, I was part of a community group, and even though I wasn't a member of this church, I honestly felt accepted and that those in the group really cared about me as I could see they cared about each one there. A few weeks ago, at Friday morning Bible study, our time of prayer was brought into the sanctuary around the piano. We gathered there to worship. One of the women in our group had a serious injury from a fall at her home, and we had been praying for her healing for well over four months. We would get updates from her family on her condition. Emails would go out to everyone in the group on how to pray, and each Friday morning we would pray together. We are not just women who meet together. We are sisters in Christ. We are family. Jesus makes us family. 
He welcomes all of us into his family wherever we come from. And I want you to know that you are welcome in the family of God. Jesus came to embody the heart of the Father so that each and every one of us would know that. I want to hope you experience that invitation from Jesus. I also want to invite you to be a little challenged and to dream about the way that this value is lived out in our church family. In fact, there's a, there's a card in your worship bulletin this morning that says growing in our values. If you would take that out, you can use that throughout today's message and even throughout the series if you'd like to continue to brainstorm and journal on there. And so let me invite you to do a little bit of thinking together right now. What would it look like? What, what do you imagine could happen if our church family owned and grew in this value? I mean, what if every guest that came into First Lutheran felt that welcome of the family right away? Because I gotta be honest with you, not everybody does. Sometimes I hear stories that aren't as encouraging. People will tell me, yeah, I was at your church a couple of times and it looked like everybody was having a great time and they had friends and they knew each other, but they were also talking to each other that nobody really said anything to me. And they didn't really feel included or welcomed. What if that never happened again? What if every guest who came to First Lutheran could smell and feel and taste and experience the gospel of the welcome of God in Jesus Christ before they ever heard about it in any of our services? And what if we grew in the value of intergenerationality in our church family? Because that's a value that we're committed to here. And I got to tell you, it's not all that, it's not a universal value among churches, especially larger ones. Sometimes churches have figured out that it's a wise use of their resources to really go after the style and preferences of one generation. And that can make a lot of sense for some people. But for us, we've really made a commitment to be a church family of all generations. And so we invest staff people in our senior generations and in our younger generations and we want our seniors to feel honored and cared for because you know what? That's countercultural. You know, in our society, a lot of times we'd rather just let our seniors and our elders kind of fade out from memory and in some ways be discarded from society. We don't want to be like that. We want to follow Jesus as Jesus makes us family. What if we created a, a truly robust counterculture of honoring and caring for our elders? And what if we also created a culture of aggressively seeking to reach the next generation for Christ? Imagine with me, I mean, what if every time one of our children or our students walked into this church building and there were adults who here who knew their names and called out and looked happy on our faces when they walked in and they felt more welcomed and joyful to be here than at the best family gathering any of us ever imagined? Because they knew, what if they would know in their bones that the family of Jesus is where they belong now and for the rest of their life and for all of eternity. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, dream with me. What would it take for that to happen? What if every person who's a part of this church family in any way knew that other people here cared about them, that they always had somebody to turn to? They knew for sure in their heart that there was somebody here who loved them, that there was somebody here who cared about them, somebody they could turn to, that they knew that there was somebody who knew them. And what would it take for that to happen? Dream with me a little bit. I invite you over the course of this morning or in the coming days, whenever you have time, use that card that's in your worship bulletin this morning. And you can jot down some thoughts and maybe respond to how God is prompting your heart. And if you have thoughts or dreams you'd like to share with our church staff or council or our leadership, we're making plans to try to grow in values like these. We'd love to hear what God is placing on your heart. You can, if you want, you could always put those cards in an offering this week or some future week or drop them at our reception desk or any way you'd like to share thoughts with us if you'd like to. Before we finish today, I want to share with you our second value for today. And that's the value that's on this banner over here on my left side. 
It says over here, deep roots make good fruit. Deep roots make good fruit. I think probably most of us have a good sense for how important roots are. If you have any tall trees near your house and the wind ever blows, I bet you think about how important roots are. Sometimes when you meet people, have you ever met someone you could just tell? I certainly have. You could tell they were a deep roots person. You know, they just, just had this peace in their life that maybe you were even drawn to. They had a joy in their life. You could tell it just came from deep down. There was love in their life, and they just kind of kept giving it. Love just kept pouring out of their life. And it wasn't because their circumstances were awesome all the time. It wasn't because they were just luckier than everybody else, because circumstances can go up and down. But if you've met those people, you know what I'm talking about. It comes from deep roots. Deep roots make good fruit. This is the same thing Jesus told his first followers 2,000 years ago and continues to tell us. I want to read you a little passage here from what Jesus said. This is John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Here's what Jesus said to his disciples. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I don't think I've ever in my whole life met somebody who really wanted to be fruitless. I think we all want to be fruitful. We all want to bear abundant fruit in life. None of us are walking around, going to bed at night, waking up in the morning going, man, if I could dry up and shrivel, if I could bear less fruit in my life, we all want to bear fruit. Jesus tells us how. And it's not like one weird trick you learned on the internet. And it's not five simple steps to greater fruitfulness. Jesus says, fruit will come in your life as you are connected to me. Remain in me, I'll remain in you, and you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Deep roots make good fruit. There's another passage I want to read to you. It comes from the book of Ephesians. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul, although the people who knew Paul then might have called him something like Pastor Paul or Apostle Paul, he was writing to a church that he knew in the city of Ephesus, and he wrote them his prayer. This was Paul's prayer for the Christians in Ephesus. It's Ephesians 3, verses 16 through 18. Paul wrote, I pray that out of God's glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. There be power for you from God inside of you, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted, pray that you be rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. He prayed that we would be strengthened in our inner being. Man, sometimes in our outer being, we are stronger and sometimes we are weaker and sometimes it goes back and forth. And Paul here wrote this prayer that we would be strengthened by God's spirit in our inner being, that we would have the strength that comes from God, from being deeply rooted. The prayer says, I pray that you would be rooted and established in love. That's the place where we find our roots first of all. Not that we love, but that God first loved us. When we know who we are in God's eyes, we grow deep roots, and deep roots make good fruit. The most important place to be rooted is in the very presence of God, is in the knowledge of God and the spirit of God that Jesus showed us and Jesus gave us. 
we continue to grow roots in God as we learn the story of the scriptures, as we learn to pray. And rather than having me tell you about all the ways this works, I have another testimony that I want to share with you, another video that I hope will touch you as it touches me. So let's, let's roll that video right now. I was born and raised in a faithful Lutheran family. By the time I reached my teen years, uh, I was questioning, I was, my faith was slipping. Eventually, I uh, rejected it, I rejected my faith. So the Bible was, uh, during that time, was just a historical, kind of a literary object, um, but the real truth of, of what, it's, what it's revealing was hidden from me. During that time, I, I met uh, Julie, my wife, and we raised two great kids. We have a close, um, loving family. Um, but over time, and you know, watching the kids growing up, I, I was just feeling more and more that something was missing. Um, and I didn't know it I, at the time. I wouldn't, it wouldn't have occurred to me to attribute it to God, but I, I do believe now that the Holy Spirit was working on me. Um, maybe had never left. Well, we, we came to First Lutheran several years ago. And at first we were just weekly attenders. <laughs> you know, you sit in the back and make a beeline to the, to the door at the end of the service. Um, eventually we got the kids into Sunday school. And Julie and I went to Alpha. And, um, slowly, I started listening more. Uh, I was listening more intently to the sermons on Sundays. Uh, sometime during that, I, I, someone from church invited me to, to sit in with her community group. See, see if that might be something I was interested in. And went with the flow, and man, what a, a blessing that turned out to be. Um, I, there was, I wish I would have recorded the date, but there was a moment during one of those meetings, during prayer, uh, when I experienced um, a moment of just total surrender. Um, and I accepted Jesus into my heart. It was, it was totally unexpected. Honestly, at the time, I, was, I wasn't even sure if it was real. You know, uh, Jesus taught us about the seeds that fall on rocky ground and how they, they start out okay, um, but soon they die out because they don't, they don't have moisture to keep, keep them growing. Um, and he explained um, that those seeds are the people who hear the message and accept it but only for a short time, because they don't have deep roots. And I didn't want my experience uh, to be like that. Um, I, I approached my spiritual life after that time with a new attitude, came to understand that it, it does take a lot of care and nurturing to grow those roots, just like a gardener wants healthy plants. You know, in my own spiritual health needed care and feeding. Or, or I could use another analogy, it's like a, uh, it takes practice for a musician to build and maintain his skills. So uh, we all worship together as a big family on Sundays, and uh, this is my church family, I feel that. Um, but in my experience, I think it's important to, to spend some quiet time, alone time with God every day, prayer, uh, Bible reading. 
And I think it's important beyond that to, to uh, get with a small group of fellow believers to share a life, to pray together, encourage each other, um, support each other. We need each other. That life, a deeply rooted, nourished life, confident in the love of God and full of fruitfulness and full of life, is a life that Jesus came to make available to all of us, that he came to give us as a gift and to invite us to receive. As a church family, we own this value and want one another to know and ourselves to know that this life is available to us to receive as a gift from Jesus Christ. And I invite you to receive it from him, to receive the gift of deep roots and the gift of abundant fruitfulness. We own these values together as a church family. Jesus makes us a family and he gives us a deeply rooted life that bears good fruit. I'm excited and committed to owning and growing in these values with you. I'm likewise excited to share with you two more values that we own together as a church family next week. I'd like to pray for us together right now. Good and gracious God, thank you so much for revealing yourself to us in Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, our Lord. You could have just stayed out somewhere far from us. We certainly had wandered far from you. But you came to welcome us into your family, to your table, to call us your children. And God, we open our hearts to you here in this time to receive the gift of life, to receive the gift of your presence. Or we open our hearts to you and thank you so much for your grace and forgiveness. And we offer our lives to you to follow you, to walk in the way of hope, in the way of life, in the way of Jesus. God, we pray that you would strengthen us in faith, give us deep roots, make us fruitful. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.